Why in the world are we doing this? Here's why. I want you and your life to be connected to something bigger. I want you to have a bigger perspective. I want you to have a bigger purpose. I want you to have a bigger passion. I want you to have bigger priorities. I want you, I want me, I want us to be connected to something bigger than me, bigger than you, and bigger than us put together. Here's why I think that's all important, because Jesus, we said last week, Jesus has a big picture vision for his church. And so we began this conversation by saying, well, Jesus is the one who's building the church. It's his church. Might be good for us to say, okay, if it's his church, if he's building the church, I wonder what his vision for the church is. Here's what I know, okay? When some of you know this by experience, and I talked to you last week about this, some of you have had bad church experiences, okay? And, and I said this to you last week. We just, if, if you're newer here, we just shoot honest in here. I apologized for some of the experiences some of y'all have had because some of you have had experiences that have been bad because unfortunately you got connected with a church that lost its connection with Jesus's vision for his church. He has a vision for his church. And so what happens when a church loses connection with that big picture vision, it loses purpose. It loses perspective. It loses passion. It loses the sense of priority, right? That's what happens. And for churches that lose this connection, it begins a slow death crawl, so to speak. They become unhealthy and they quit moving. And when you become unhealthy and quit moving physically, what happens is your world gets really small, right? We've talked about that. When that happens in a church, it's devastating. And when it happens in a church, and, and this may be why some of you are like, I hate church, right? And I... I Listen, I'm not saying it's a great place to be, but I'm saying maybe your experience has made it that way because you've been associated with people who go to church and here's what you've been associated with. They start complaining, they get really, really critical, they don't wanna ever change and they get crystallized in their ways. And if you've been around a church like that, I trust you, they've lost connection with the big picture. Jesus has a big picture vision. What's his big picture vision? Well, it's found in the book of Acts chapter one, verse eight. He just simply says this, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Talk about that in a little bit. And you'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. We put it this way. Jesus' big picture vision is, I want the story of me, Jesus, the gospel to influence here, right here where you're at. I want you guys to work hard at getting it there, and then I want it to impact everywhere. That's his big picture vision, in a nutshell. And in a nutshell, his big picture vision, he simply says this, you guys are my method. He says, you're my method. Basically, he was talking to some ordinary men, and he says, you're my method to do this. Now, my guess is when they heard that, they were like, say what? How are we going to do that, right? And so what we decided to do is say, hey, let's lean into the book of Acts, which is the story of this church. And let's try to see if we can pull some things out that were characteristics of this church. And I told you this last week, I see four, there's more than this, four that we're going to focus on. Last week, we just said this, that Jesus' big picture vision, when you look at the book of Acts, here's something it did. It ignited big picture praying. It ignited big picture praying. When you read the book of Acts, I, I, won't, I can't spend tons of time on this. Go back and listen to last week's sermon. Those people prayed different. When you read the book of Acts and you read how they prayed, it's like, wow, they pray different than some of us hear people praying. It, it was their first impulse. 
It wasn't their last resort. Uh, when all else fails, I'll pray. That's not the way they prayed. It wasn't just a private habit. It was that. But it was a community experience. They prayed together. That's interesting to me. Not just that, but when they hit tough circumstances, they didn't pray how sometimes we pray. God, get me out of this. Protect me. They, they didn't pray that way. It's interesting to me. But they say, God, make us better and bolder so that we can play the role you have for us in the big picture. That's interesting. And, and then we said they kind of knew who they were talking to, that he wasn't the divine dude in the sky, right? Like, like he wasn't my heavenly homeboy, but he was the sovereign Lord. Like he was the God of the big picture. And, and, and we said this, that when they prayed, after they prayed, then they said, okay, now we'll participate. Now we'll move. Now we'll do what you want, right? It ignited big picture praying this morning. I want us to look at something else that's evident in, in the book of Acts. When you go back to Acts 1.8, here's what it says. You'll receive power, and then I want to focus on this today, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I want to have a really big conversation today. We've got to have a big conversation, okay? And I want to talk about when the Holy Spirit comes on you, because here's what I want you to write down. Jesus' big picture vision will involve the Holy Spirit moving, it will involve the Holy Spirit moving. Now, let me just state something, and then, and then we got to roll. But, but some of you, I realize I'm talking to a very diverse group. Some of you are like, the holy what? You know? And, and you're like, I've never heard, what, what is the Holy Spirit, right? And, and, and so we got to get our, our hands around that, like the Holy Spirit. What, what in the world are we talking about? Some of y'all, you, you've heard of the Holy Spirit, and you're like, yeah, okay, this is going to be a weird morning is what you're thinking, right? Because your exposure to people who talk about this, they, they're a little off, right? In your mind, you're like, I don't know. It's kind of, and, and then others of you, you grew up in church and you knew the Holy Spirit was something that, that, that people believe, but you don't know much about it. Here's what I want to tell you. Today, I hope to bring some clarity to that in, in this short conversation because there's a lot of confusion. In order for us to get clarity, let's, let's figure out where we're at. The Bible isn't a, a book full of verses that you just plaster onto your life. That, that's not the way the Bible works. You know, like I got a bad situation. I find a verse and put a Band-Aid on it. That's not the way the Bible works. But the Bible kind of shows us God's story, and so when you get to the, the book of Acts, here's where we're at. Jesus is telling his followers, we've been hanging out for about three years, and he says, I'm getting ready to leave, but when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, is what he says, right? So, so th this is a big deal because if you're one of his followers, you're like, you're going to what? <laughs> like we've been followed, we left everything to follow you, and now you're out? And, and, and Jesus says, yeah, I'm out, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit, and basically what he wants them to know, and if you don't understand who the Holy Spirit is, let me say it this way, that Jesus, when he walked the earth, that that was Jesus. Jesus was God with us. That's Emmanuel, God with us. We celebrate that at Christmas. He said, I'm out, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Who's the Holy Spirit? He said, oh, that's going to be God in you. So we have God with us, now we have God in us. You see how that works? And he says, and then when I leave, y'all are going to do the things that I've been doing. And then he says something baffling. He says, oh, it's, it's not even that. He said, you're going to do what I've been doing, and you're going to do even greater things than these. It's like, really? Yeah, because my spirit's going to be at work in you as you spread out. And so when you get to the book of Acts, because the book of Acts can be confusing for some people, here's the deal. You get the story of the church as it's starting. 
And the book of Acts is a book that describes, keyword, describes, say that out loud with me, describes the transition from when Jesus here and left and the Holy Spirit comes. So primarily, it is a descriptive book, not meant for everything to be prescriptive. You say, what does that mean, Dan? You don't read the book of Acts and say, hey, how do we recreate exactly what we see written in the book of Acts? But it's describing this unique period of time. But there is something in the book of Acts that is descriptive and prescriptive. It describes what happened, and it is for us, and that is this. The Holy Spirit is all over the place in the book of Acts. In fact, I I know that for for sure because I've been telling people this morning, this morning I got up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, could not go back to sleep at 3 o'clock. I know, it's kind of weird, right? I'm going to be hurting around 3 o'clock this afternoon, all right? But I could not go back to sleep. And so I got up, and here's what I did. As honest as I'm standing here, I had a little extra time this morning. So I prayed, and I got my Bible, and I opened it to the book of Acts, and I went book of Acts chapter 1 to book of Acts chapter 28 with an orange highlighter. And I highlighted every time the Holy Spirit showed up. Try that. I double-dog dare you to try that, all right? Because here's what you'll find. Holy Spirit is all over the place in the book of Acts. Jesus' big-picture vision involved the moving of the Holy Spirit. You see the Holy Spirit changing people, transforming people, empowering, compelling, leading people. Jesus' big-picture vision involves the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus left, by the way, the movement of Jesus didn't end when Jesus left. It continued in and through people who were followers of him. In fact, some of your Bibles, let me, let me tell you this. Some of your Bibles, some of you have Bibles, and this is what it says in, in your Bible. When, when it titles this book of the Bible, it calls it the Acts of the Apostles. Some of you have Bibles like, it's all right. You know, but I, I actually think that's a, a, a maybe not the best name for this. I think when you read the book of Acts, here's how I would name it. I would call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit through ordinary men just like you and I. Because the book of Acts talks about an extraordinary God who works in and through ordinary people just like you and I to pull off extraordinary things. And so nothing in the book of Acts, nothing in the church happens with this movement apart from the Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit moving in. We see the the Holy Spirit moving things around. We see the Holy Spirit moving through people. Here's why this is important. Okay, and and, and then we got to race through something. If we're honest, most of us, most of us are familiar with a culture in our culture. We either have experienced or have been part of churches, you ready, that try to do church without the Holy Spirit. Now, stay with me on this conversation. And I understand why. I'm not saying it's right, but I understand why, okay? So if, if you're like, wow. The reason why is because we've been exposed to different things in this room. Some of you guys have been exposed to church, okay? And, and, and the church you were exposed to, the preacher got up there, and when he talked about the Holy Spirit, he didn't call it the Holy Spirit. He called it the Holy Ghost, right? And he said it with a, like a certain tone, right? The Holy Ghost, you know, like that. And, 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 and you were part of a church that was preoccupied. So I, by your laughing, you were part of that, right? But they were preoccupied with the Holy Spirit. And so that's all they talked about, and they blamed the Holy Spirit for everything that took place. 
And, and you saw things and you're like, wow, I don't know. And there's all kinds of, well, man, if you got the Holy Ghost, you should be doing this. Blah, 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 blah. You know, you're like, whoa. And so for some of you, you got so wigged out by it, so confused by it. You're like, whoo, man, I don't get that. You know, I'm not doing, I don't know what, what in the world. And so you just, I'm going to walk away. Some of y'all grew up in churches and like, man, Bible teaching churches, man, they're preaching the word and the gospel. And, 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 and if you went into that church and said, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? You bet. Man, we're about the Holy Spirit. But in that church, and some of you know what I'm talking about, in that church, the Holy Spirit was like your weird Uncle Festus, right? <laughs> he was part of the family. You just never talked about him, right? And for some of you, that's your church experience. You're like, yeah, we believed in the Holy Spirit, but... I don't know, we never really experienced what's that like, and we never really expected him to do much. He just was part of the family. And so you're confused because you're like, I'm not even sure what part the Holy Spirit should play. And yet when you get to the book of Acts, this is why this conversation is so important this morning. Nothing in Jesus' big picture vision happens apart from the Holy Spirit. He says that's where the power is going to come from for this. And so we got to kind of run into this. We can't be afraid of it to try to understand it, to bring some clarity to it. So here's what I want to do. We got to embrace this. Why don't we ask ourselves three questions to bring some clarity to this topic this morning? Can we do that? Three questions and we'll be done and go home and have dinner. First question is this. I got to ask myself in understanding the Holy Spirit, I got to ask myself, has the Holy Spirit moved in? Has the Holy Spirit moved in? Has he taken up residence in my life? Now, that begs a question this morning. Begs a question this morning. When I ask the question, has he moved in, I got to ask, well, how does he do that? How in the world does the Holy Spirit move in? And so when you get to the book of Acts chapter 2, this guy named Peter, he's preaching this incredible sermon, okay? And it says the people are cut to the heart, right? Like, like, like their hearts are gripped, and then they look at Peter, the preacher, and they're like, now nah, what do we do? And he says this in chapter 2, verse 38, Peter replied, okay, repent. And then after that, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter simply says this to them. He's kind of in a condensed, abbreviated fashion, just simply saying this to them. Repent. What does that mean? I want you to turn around from the way in which you're going, and I want you to turn to Jesus. That's all he's saying. Repent means I want you to turn around and turn to. Turn around, turn over your life to Jesus. We say it this way around here. Say yes to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus, and the moment you say yes to Jesus, and then he says, and you'll see this throughout the book of Acts, baptism, water baptism, is simply my public profession, I've said yes to Jesus, that I've made Jesus the big deal in my life. Here's what I want you to hear me say. The moment, you ready? I want to clear something up. The moment I say yes to Jesus, I turn my life over to Christ, I receive him as my Savior, I commit to him as my Lord, the moment I say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit moves in. The Holy Spirit moves in. What's interesting is in John 14, Jesus was talking to his followers. We'll throw it on the screen. This is interesting. He said, if you love me, You'll obey what I command. And I'll ask the Father, he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, Holy Spirit. world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. It's like, it's confusing to some, right? It's like, yeah, okay, what? 
But you'll know him, saying to those who are followers, you'll know him. Why? He lives in you and will be with you. Let, let me clear something up. Some of you, I don't know, this might be your first time or, you know, 5,000th time in church. And I want to clear something up and make this really clear. Salvation or becoming a Christian, all that stuff that, that some people get confused about. It's not simply, listen close, this might, mm, this might create some tension within some of you. Becoming a Christian, getting saved, all of that stuff is not just about, okay, with all due respect, not just about me repeating a prayer after somebody when they've scared hell out of me. You tracking with me? I had that happen as a kid. You know, somebody told me what hell was like. Do you want to go there? Absolutely not. Then repeat after me. Okay. Whatever you say, I'm saying, right? I mean, that's the way it rolls, right? And, and, and it's like, what did you say? I have no idea. You know, I just don't want to go there. Okay? But I had no idea what it meant to trust Christ. They scared hell out of me. Becoming a Christian, being saved, is not about getting all whipped up with emotion, walking an aisle and saying, hey, I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying, be careful. Becoming a Christian, getting saved, isn't about three steps to getting a better life now. That's not the deal. Becoming a Christian, being saved, whatever word you grew up understanding or you've heard, is about saying yes to Jesus. It's about receiving and believing the message of Jesus. What's that? The message of Jesus, very simply put, is this. You and I are sinners. I know, Mother's Day, right? Not good news. But it's true news. And good news, listen close, will never be good unless I recognize what's true about the fact that I'm a sinner. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner, we're all sinners. But the good news of Jesus is the only one who ever lived that didn't sin, he died. Why did that happen? Because he took your place, he took my place. He died for our sin, he paid the price, he took my penalty. So that all those who say yes to him as savior can be forgiven, can have hope. They buried him, he rose again, having victory over sin and death. You see, that is the gospel. And so when I say yes to Jesus, listen close. I'm saying, yes, Jesus, you are the Savior. You're the only one who can save me from my sin. Yes, Jesus, you are the Lord. Listen close. You're the only one who can lead and direct my life into life that really is life and living. And yes, Jesus, you're my treasure, you're the object of my affection and worship. And when I say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes up residence. Let me, let, let me give you some words that some of you have heard and you're confused by. Some of you have not. And so I just want to give you a head start. First and foremost, I want you to write this down. He indwells me. What does that mean? The minute I say yes to Jesus, Holy Spirit of God moves in. He moves into my life. He takes up residence. Romans 8, I won't read the whole thing, but just says this. We'll throw it on the screen. You're not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Then he says something interesting. Remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them don't belong to him. That's kind of clear. That seems to be clear. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. 
Let that sink in. What? That's pretty fascinating. You see, he indwells me. The minute I say yes to Jesus, Spirit of God takes up residence. But this is where people get confused, this next one. I want you to write it down. He doesn't just indwell me, but he baptizes me. You're like, what? I thought one of the pastors did that. I thought my dad did it. So you're like, let me clear this up. The word baptism simply means to immerse. That's all it means. It means to immerse, okay? And so what does it mean that the Holy Spirit baptizes me? It means he immerses or moves me into the family of Christ. When does that happen? The minute you say yes to Jesus. The minute you say yes to Jesus. Here's what I want you to hear me say. In the New Testament, there are two baptisms that are talked about, okay? One is water baptism. You tracking with me? That's what we do. We put a big tank up here. Uh, I look down here at my friends, uh, the Sabos, and, and Easter Sunday, they got baptized. Love that picture. And today they're, they're, they're commissioning as parents. I love it. What were they doing? They were publicly saying, we've said yes to Jesus. And so water baptism is simply a picture. And so they're immersed, right? They're, they're clean. They belong. They're identified. Water baptism. But there's another baptism, and that's this Holy Spirit baptism. And there's a lot of confusion with that because there are people like, man, I am a follower of Jesus. Now I'm just waiting for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like it's some sort of, I'm going to get kind of this whatever supercharged. And that's not the way it rolls. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God immersing me into the family of God the moment I say yes to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12 says it this way. It simply says, just as a body, though one has many parts, all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. We are all, there's our word, immersed, baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Here's the point, and then we've got to roll. Indwelling in baptism, say yes to Jesus. The question is this, has the Holy Spirit moved into your life? Oh, wait, don't answer too quick. I didn't ask if you grew up going to church. I didn't ask if you knew the answers to the Bible story. I didn't ask if you were a good person. I didn't ask any of that. I said, has the Holy Spirit moved in? Because the answer to that is whether or not I have said yes to Jesus in the story called the gospel. You tracking? So I got to ask myself, has he moved in? But there's something important we got to see because all morning I've been talking to people. And what I'm getting ready to tell you next is the number one thing they've been talking to me about on their way out. They said, I've been confused about this, and this is what made it made sense to me. There's something important that we got to see when it comes to the Holy Spirit, and that is this, that the Holy Spirit, you ready, is not simply a force or a power. The Holy Spirit is not simply a force or a power. A lot of people look at the Holy Spirit, and it's like, I need more of the Holy Spirit, like he's a, a power source. I need some more spiritual wattage, Right? You see, the Holy Spirit is not a force or a power. He's a person. And this totally will change the way I interact with the Holy Spirit in my life. This is so important. Because being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't about me plugging in more to get more power and voltage. But being filled with the Spirit, if he is a person who resides within me, is me being aware, changed, and preoccupied with his presence in my life. Let me explain it this way. When I was a bachelor, I lived in an apartment alone. Raise your hand if you had a bachelor pad. I just want to see who I'm talking to. Anybody? Yeah? Here's what I know, right? 
in my bachelor pad. I loved my bachelor pad. Can I get an amen, right? I was quite a decorator. I was a, an incredible decorator of my bachelor pad, I promise you, right? I kept a pretty clean house, right? Kept a pretty clean house, had things in order right where I wanted them, and I decorated that thing just the way I wanted it. I can remember in the living room, I had a poster of Walter Payton, man. He was a football player back then, right? And so I put that right in the living room. It looked good there, right? Centerpiece of my living room. I remember I had a Larry Bird poster in my bedroom. I'm like, man, that looks good. Kind of offset the living room a little bit, right? Had a TV. Everything's good to go. If you and I had times where I had guests over, we had a pizza, whatever, whatnot, here's the way I would roll when guests would come to my house. If you came to my house, I might clean things up. I might shove some things in the closet. I might do things like that. But if you came into my house and, and you started saying, hey, you know something? I'm going to come in here and redecorate. I'd have been like, yeah, see ya. You know, kind of like how I have things. You're a guest. I'll invite you back next month, right? I liked the way I had things decorated. I was comfortable. When I had guests in, I would... I'd be hospitable, right? I'd clean up for them. All that changed November 4th, 1989. <laughs> Some of you are like, what happened then? Well, that is the day I said I do to Jennifer. <laughs> and when I said I do to Jennifer, you know what I said? I want you to be my wife. And I invited her to come live in my home. Can I tell you something? When she came and she took up residence in my home... She was kind about it, <laughs> but she said, you know, there's probably some things we ought to move out. I'm like, really? Yeah, the poster's not doing it for me, you know what I mean? She's like, maybe we could hang some pretty pictures, you know? I'm like, well, who knew? She said, you know, Dan, it might be good if, uh, I don't know, we got some dishes. That might be a good start, right? <laughs> All right. You see, when she came, became my wife, took up residence in my home, I invited her in, and all of a sudden, she began to move things out and move things in, and she didn't leave. She's still there. In fact, if you came to my house today, thank goodness for this, it's decorated, and it has her fingerprints all over it. Praise the Lord, right? I mean, we have a wonderfully decorated home that she has literally spent time and intentionality. Oh, there's still things. You'll find a Penn State shrine here or there or whatever and whatnot. But she has taken up residence in my home and moved things out and in. It is now our home. What's the point? Listen close. The Holy Spirit moves in. Listen. And he doesn't move in as a guest. He takes up residence. And when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life, in my life, the very presence of God with all the authority of God shows up in my life. I got to ask myself this question this morning. Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to move things around in my life? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit or do I treat him like a guest? You see, Jesus says something interesting. He calls the Holy Spirit something We'll throw these on the screen. But there's an interesting name he uses for the Holy Spirit. He says, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate. 1426, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you. 26, chapter 15, he says, when the advocate comes, who I will send from the Father. Listen close. I want you to remember this. He calls the Holy Spirit the advocate. Okay? 
And so when he uses the word advocate, there's, there, there's some power to that meaning. See, some of your versions, they, 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 they call the Holy Spirit the counselor, the comforter, and that's all great and fine, unless the only picture you have of the Holy Spirit is like he's some sort of divine psychologist who brings some sort of comfort all the time, and that's all he does. If that's the only picture you have of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't have the punch and the power. Because when Jesus says he's an advocate, here's what Jesus is doing, okay? I'm going to give you a little Greek lesson. You can impress your friends this afternoon. He's taking two words and he's smashing them together. Look at what he's doing. He's using the word para. Let's throw that up there. Para, which simply means alongside of. That's all that word means. So you know this if you've been hanging out here. We studied the parables. A lot of us love the parables. What is a parable? Well, that is a story that's laid alongside of a truth Jesus wants to make. Para, lay alongside, right? So it's to lay alongside. And then he takes the second word. Let's throw it up there. Kale, which simply means to call out or to argue. It kind of has a, a, a legal feel to it. Like an attorney would call out the truth. An attorney would argue for the sake of getting to the truth. What's the point? The point is the Holy Spirit is an advocate who is constantly calling out, constantly wanting to argue for the truth and against lies. I want you to write it this way. The Holy Spirit, he wants to move out the lies in my life and he wants to move in the truth. He wants to move out lies and he wants to move in the truth. I got to show you something really quick and it's this. John chapter 16, Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit says, in fact, it is best for you that I go away. If I don't, the advocate, there's our word, won't come. And if I do go away, then I'll send him to you. When he comes, he'll convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you'll see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. What's he saying? He's saying this advocate is going to come and convict of sin. He wants to move out the lies in my life. But when you read this, the biggest sin, my biggest problem is that I don't totally believe and make room for everything Jesus says about himself. And you know why that is? Now listen, I, maybe you don't ever struggle with this. Okay. You know why that is? Because I'm full of me. And when I'm full of me, I don't got room for him. And so what the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to move out the lies. But he doesn't want to just do that. Chapter 16, verse 13. He wants to guide you into all truth. How does he do that? He literally begins to expose where I'm full of me, and he begins to, in my life, constantly argue, point to, turn the lights bright on Jesus. See, some of you have grown up and you've heard this term. Others of you have not, but the Bible talks about it, and, and, and it's talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? We've made it spooky and mystical and like, I just feel filled with the Spirit. I'm going to say, it's like, stop it. That's not the deal. If the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, I literally have an advocate that is pointing out and wanting to move out where I'm full of myself. And I may be different than you, but there are plenty of areas in Dan Gregory's life where I'm full of myself. 
And he wants to argue and point to and move in the truth. He wants me to become full of Jesus. You want to know what it means to be filled with the Spirit? I'll put it in a sentence that's not original with me. John the Baptist first spoke it. Here's how you know you're filled with the Spirit when it's less of me, more of Jesus. Less of me, more of Jesus. Well, how do I know that? Because the Holy Spirit is preoccupied with making much of Jesus. It means I got to ask this question. What does he want to move out of my life? Where is it that I'm full of me? Where am I full of me? Can I tell you something scary? There's two ways you can live your life. I don't know if you knew this or not. You can live your life self-filled or spirit-filled. Now, if I live my, my life self-filled, that can look a lot of different ways that, that are drastically different from each other, yet part of the same path. There are some people, that, they live their life and they're full of themselves. It's, it's a self-filled life and they're all about self-gratification. I'm going to do what I want, when I want, how I want. I'm going to go get it. It's all about filling my life. I'm all about getting the joy. I create meaning in my life. I determine what's true in my life. It's about self-gratification. Me, 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 me. I am the captain. I am the God of my world. Self-gratification. Self-filled. And, and some of us were like, yeah, man, that's, that's probably not good, you know? I mean, some of us, we can pick that out. We're like, yeah, okay. But there's another way we live a self-filled life that's just as erosive. It might not be self-gratification, but some of us, and we grew up this way, we live a life of self-justification. Where it's all about me, what I can do. And some of you grew up in legalistic, legalistic churches where it was all about you. What you can do to get God's attention, what you can do to get God's approval, what you can do to keep God's favor, what you, what you, what you, how you can impress, how you can, how you, 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 and it's a self-filled life, both self-filled. It's all about you. And see what the Holy Spirit does. No, no, I need to move you out. It's not about what you did to get salvation. It's about what Jesus did. It's not about you and what you can do to impress people with how good of a Christian you are. It's about Jesus moving in and taking over. It's not about you. And so it's more of Jesus, less of me. And so I got to ask, what does he want to move out and what does he want to move in? What does he want to move into my life? Where is it that he wants to replace? Here's what Galatians 5 says, that when he moves in, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In a nutshell, and then we're going to land this ship. In a nutshell, when the Holy Spirit fills my life, he's, he's arguing for Jesus in my life, he begins to expose lies where I'm full of me, and he begins to move in things that are full of Jesus. And all of a sudden, here's what happens. It becomes about more about Jesus, less about me. And he says two things here. I grow fruit in my life, love, joy, peace, patience. My life begins to grow fruit that begins to resemble Jesus. But he doesn't just say that when, when it becomes more about Jesus, less of me. Some of you need to write this down because this is not your experience. I become free. I become free. You're saying, what do you mean by that? I become free of me. And when I'm free of me, 
I'm free to serve, I'm free to love, I'm free to care, I'm free to give, I'm free, I'm free of me. You see, you'll never be free to love and serve the way that you read about in God's story until you're free of you. And filled with the Spirit, it's less of me, more of Jesus. You see how that works? It's interesting. Which leads to one last thing he says, and then then we'll come back next week and pick it up. Verse 16 and 25 of Galatians 5 is just interesting to me. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. Live by the Spirit. And then he says, keep in step with the Spirit. I think that gives us our third question. I need to ask, has he moved in? Am I willing to allow him to move things around? And then I need to ask, am I moving with the Holy Spirit? Literally, Jesus told the disciples that when the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit would give them power to be his witnesses. Now, can I admittingly use a really silly, almost stupid example with you? Can I just do that for a second? Like, I'm almost embarrassed. I mean, it's so, but it's the best I can do. Imagine, you ready? Imagine that the Bible didn't say what it said. Imagine it said something different. Imagine it said this, okay? Imagine Jesus said, hey, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be incredible jumpers and incredible basketball players. Tracking with me? So when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to receive power and you're going to be able to jump like no one else and you're going to be able to play basketball like no one else. Just imagine, you with me? Some of you are like, yeah, I dream about that every day, right? But just imagine, right? If he said that. That's silly, stupid. I get it. But imagine that that you said yes to Jesus and the spirit of God lived inside. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That spirit that he promised was going to cause you to jump like no other, to be an incredible basketball player. And imagine spirit of God living inside. And 10 years later, I met you and said, wow, spirit of God, the jumping spirit of God lives inside of you. That's incredible. Hey, tell me this. How much basketball have you been playing? And imagine, yeah, I, I don't really play much. I just got the power. Oh, really? Tell me, John, you've been jumping much? You slam dunk? No. I don't jump. I don't jump at all. I've never jumped. I just know that I can jump. I just know that I got the power to jump. I like to tell people about the power I have to jump. I like to think about that. It sounds weird, doesn't it? It's kind of a trivia. It's like, I'm going to give you the power to jump. I'm going to give you the power to be an incredible basketball player. Cool. I love it. But to never jump and play basketball seems weird. I'm going to say something that's going to leave some of you a little uncomfortable, and I'm okay with that. Jesus said this. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, moves in. He wants to move things around, and then he will give you the power to be my witnesses. Imagine having the power to be his witnesses, to to be the ones to point to his story, the life-changing, soul-saving story of Jesus, and never pointing anybody to that story. I'm okay if that's uncomfortable. 
because it is for me and I'm okay if it is for you but I think it's okay for us to think about it seems weird doesn't it that he would give us the power to be his witnesses connected to his big picture vision and us never to point anybody to Jesus you see I got to ask myself a couple questions and I think the first one is this I need to ask am I moving into the world to point anybody to Jesus you see, when it becomes more of him, less of me, I look at the people I work with different. I look at the people that I live beside different. You know why? Because I begin to see them the way Jesus did. I begin to respond to them the way Jesus did. I begin to care for them the way Jesus did. And all of a sudden, I realized the people around me, God moved into my life, and he moved into me so that I would have the power to be a witness to his story, the story that will bring hope where hope is hard to find. Can I tell you something? If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, Spirit of God lives inside. He wants to move things around, and he wants to move through you. And the question is, am I moving with him? Well, what is it that he came to give me the power to do to be a testimony, a witness to my story? It's interesting. See, I asked you this last week. Who are the three people in your life? Who are the three people God has moved into your life that don't know the story of Jesus, don't know the power of the gospel? Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. I think it begs a... Second question, and maybe it's worth writing down and we'll fill in next week. And that's simply this. Am I moving in his church to make much of Jesus? What's interesting is in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, To each of us is given a manifestation. The Spirit shows up for the common good. We're all empowered by the one and same Spirit. Here's how I want you to, to, to know this. We're going to talk about it next week. But the Spirit of God moves in the individual who says yes to Jesus but not only that, but in some way, 1 Corinthians and Ephesians tells us the Spirit of God exists within the body of Christ corporately in a unique way. And here's the deal. Literally what he says is as each of us participates in that body, we, we, with the gifts that he's given us, we paint, ready, for the world a picture of Jesus because we are the body of Christ. And so it begs the question, am I somehow moving in a way that's making much of Jesus in his church? You see, all of this leads me to understand something that without the Holy Spirit's movement, right, we're not connected to that big picture vision Jesus had. Because his big picture vision always involved the movement of the Holy Spirit. Can I ask you a couple questions? Has he moved in? I'm serious. I'm not going to know music to make you emotional. None of that. I'm just, has he moved in? If he hasn't, how in the world does that happen saying yes to Jesus? Like that's the most important thing you can do. I would say it this way, and you don't even have to agree with me, but think about it. Your life will never make sense until you say yes to Jesus. If he has moved in, can I ask you this? What's he want to move around? Where are you full of you? And where does he want to move in the truth of who Jesus is? 
You see, the Bible says this, there's two things we can do when that happens. If he's living inside, I can ignore him. And the Bible says, when I do that, I grieve him. And some of us might be grieving the Holy Spirit this morning because we know he's there. And it's like if my wife were to show up and say, can we take down these posters? Can we bring in some furniture? Can we? And I said, no. It might make kind of a rough, rough marriage, right? See, some of us know what he wants to move out and what he wants to move in, but we're ignoring him. And we grieve him. What does he ask us to do? He asks us to agree with him. By the way, that's what confession is. I agree. And then I move out and I move in truth. I move out lies where I'm full of me, move in the truth of who Jesus is. My last question is, are you moving with the Spirit? Who are the people in your life that the Spirit of God inside is working and moving and empowering you to be the one pointing to the story of Jesus? He said, that's why I sent him. And so, Father, I love being able to hang out with my friends every Sunday some of this is, is new to some of us, clarifying to others, and challenging to a whole bunch of us. Father, I pray that you would bring this truth to bear on our lives in a unique, powerful, transformative way. And that you would move in our church, in this group, in this room, this morning. God, I pray that some in this room who have not said yes to Jesus would invite Jesus into life, would say, yes, I believe Jesus is the Savior, the Lord, and my treasure. The Spirit of God takes residence. God, there's some of us that are struggling hard because we know that we're grieving the Holy Spirit. We know what He wants to move around, and we're ignoring Him. I pray this morning that, that we would begin to be preoccupied and surrendered to Him as He takes up residence, and as he wants to move things around. And God, we're getting ready to walk out these doors into the world. To family we're going to have over for dinner, to neighbors we live beside, to people we work with, people we go to school with. God, thank you for moving those people into our life, and we pray that your spirit would work in us, and we want to follow his lead to point them to Jesus to show them the hope and the power and the beauty of the gospel. Show us how you want us to do that and then help us to follow and obey. We love you. Thank you for loving us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.